0: 2 Kings Chapter 6 Verse 1 And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell before thee is too straight for us, meaning it is too narrow, there isn't enough room for all of the prophets to live in whatever valley they are living in. 2 Let us go, we pray thee, unto the Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, meaning a log, and let us make a place there, where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. They want to go into the Jordan area and build houses. 3. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. They are asking Elisha to go with them because he's righteous, and they want somebody with them who is close to God. 4. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan they cut down wood, because each man is going to have a whole tree trunk to build with. 5. But as one was felling a beam, meaning felling a tree, the axe fell into the water, because they are near the Jordan River. And when he was chopping the tree, I guess the axe just came off the axe head and landed in the water. And he cried and said, Alas my master, for it was borrowed. The axe that this man was using didn't belong to him, it was a borrowed tool, and of course tools are expensive and now it was lost in the water. So he knew that whoever he borrowed it from was going to be really mad at him. 6 And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick, and cast it in thither, and made the iron to swim. The axe head was really heavy, and it sunk straight to the bottom when it went in, but it went in so deep that no man could reach in and grab it. Elisha said, Well where did it fall? And the man showed him and then he just broke off a random stick from a tree, and he threw it in the water in the place, and then like a magnet, the stick drew the heavy axe head up. This is totally a miracle. This could never happen in nature. And here's another case where Elisha is using something inanimate during his miracle. Sometimes inanimate objects are used in miracles, but it's God who does the miracle, not the object. Maybe that was Elisha's way of showing God where he wanted the axe head to come up to the surface. So now there is an axe head floating on the surface of the water, which is a complete miracle. 7 And he said, Take it up to thee. So he put out his hand and took it. Meaning the man who had lost the axe head reached into the water and grabbed it, because it was floating on the top. I wanted to take a minute to talk about why is the books of kings focusing so much on the kingdom of Israel and not hardly saying anything about the kingdom of Judah. We have been talking a lot about Elijah and Elisha and how they were prophets to the kings of Israel. The prophets were ministering to the pagan kings. The kings of Judah were worshiping the one true God. They had the Ark of the Covenant, they were following the commandments of the Lord. It was the kings of Israel who were practicing paganism at this time. So God raised up prophets in Israel to minister to the pagan kings. In the New Testament, Jesus said his ministry was to those who were lost. He was seeking the lost, lost souls. This is what we see in the Old Testament as well. Elisha and Elijah are both Prophets in the Kingdom of Israel to pagan kings because those pagan kings are lost souls. And the Israelites were lost souls because they were all practicing paganism. And that's why the books of 1st and 2nd Kings are focusing so much on the Kingdom of Israel rather than the Kingdom of Judah. Verse 8, Now the king of Aram warred against Israel, meaning he fought battles against Israel. And he took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. He's made his war camp in a certain area that his advisors think would be good. He's a pagan king who's warring against Israel. 9 And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Arameans are coming down. God has told Elisha where the king of Aram is. So Elisha warned the king of Israel, who should be Jehoram at this point. He warned him not to go in that area. 10 And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and he guarded himself there, not once nor twice. The king of Israel noted Elisha's warning and made sure that he wasn't vulnerable in the area where the King of Aram was staying. 11 And the heart of the King of Aram was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not tell me which of us is for the King of Israel? The King of Aram thinks that there is a spy in his kingdom who is giving information to the King of Israel, because the King of Israel shouldn't know where he is, but he does know where he is, 12 And one of his servants said, Nay my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. This man is telling the king, no, none of us are against you, you don't have a spy. What's happening is Elisha the prophet is hearing from God everything that you say in your bedroom. And this is true, Elisha is a seer, he's a prophet, and God tells him whatever he needs to know to warn the king of Israel so that Israel will be safe. 13 And he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dotham. The king of Aram asked where Elisha is, and they told him he's in the city of Dotham. 14. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, meaning a great army, and they came by night and compassed the city about. They're besieging the city just to get Elisha the prophet, because Elisha is now considered an enemy of the king of Aram. 15 And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host with horses and chariots was round about the city. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Elisha has a servant who I don't think is Gehazi at this point. I think it's somebody else. Remember, Gehazi got leprosy in the last chapter. According to God's law, lepers are supposed to be living alone by themselves so that they don't transfer their disease. So I think Elisha has a different servant, and the servant has now seen that the king of Aram has surrounded Dotham to get Elisha. 16 And he answered, Elisha answered the servant, Fear not, for they that are with us are more than they that are with them. This is a often quoted Bible verse, and it means that when you're a child of God, you have more people on your side than the enemy. And that's true because remember, only one third of the angels were cast out of heaven. That means that two-thirds of the angels remain in heaven with God and serve Him. For every demon who tries to attack you, there's two angels to fight that demon. The king of Aram is surrounding Dotham, but God is surrounding the army of Aram with his own angels. And Elisha can see this. 17 And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Elisha is asking a favor of the Lord that the Lord would cause this young servant to have a seer experience where he can actually see the angels that are there. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Evidently, God has a lot of chariots of fire, because a chariot of fire took Elijah up to heaven, and now many, many, many chariots of fire are surrounding the king of Aram to fight for Elisha. 18 And when he came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord, and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Elisha asked the Lord to cause the king of Aram's army to all go blind, and the Lord answered his request. 19 And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. And he led them to Samaria. This is interesting because Samaria is where the king of Israel is. They are not blind in the sense that they can't see anything, but they are blind in the sense that they don't realize that they are at Dotham anymore. They now believe Elisha that they are not at Dotham and he isn't Elisha. He's caused them to believe what he says. Elisha himself leads them to Samaria and they don't even realize that they are following Elisha and that's the guy who they are supposed to take. 20. And it came to pass. When they were come into Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. That means they were in the middle of enemy territory, and they didn't even know how they got there. 21 And the king of Israel said unto Elisha when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? Prophets are spoken of as being fathers, and this is like they're a spiritual father or they have spiritual authority over somebody. The king of Israel is asking Elisha, Shall I battle against the Arameans now that they're in my midst? And what he's really doing is he's asking God through Elisha, because he knows that God will give Elisha the answer. 22, And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Hast thou taken captive with thy sword? and with thy bow those whom thou wouldst smite. Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink, and go to their master. Elisha is giving the king of Israel a message from the Lord. Don't kill them while they are vulnerable. Treat them as prisoners of war, but treat them better than that. Give them food and water, take care of their physical needs, and then send them home. That way you are showing love toward your enemy, and maybe he won't be your enemy anymore. 23 And he prepared great provision for them, meaning a feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. And the bands of Aram came no more into the land of Israel. This is beautiful, because the king of Israel did win the friendship by doing this. Because of the wisdom of the Lord, he instead treated them to a great feast and sent them back to the king of Aram. 24 And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad king of Aram gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. Because the king of Israel was so good to the army of Aram, from that point on, no soldiers for hire would ever fight against Israel again. However, the regular army of Aram was still willing to fight because it was their job. But the freelance soldiers, the soldiers for hire, would not fight against Israel anymore because they remembered the kindness of Israel giving them that great feast instead of killing them. Now the king of Aram is bringing his army against Israel again, but it is lacking the freelance soldiers. It is only the conscripted soldiers. 25 And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it, until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver, and the fourth part of a cab of doves dung for five pieces of silver. Because the king of Aram had besieged Samaria, which means that no one can go in or out, so that there can be no trading going on in the city, which means that the city is going to run out of supplies. As the weeks and months went by, the people got more and more hungry because their supplies were dwindling. And it got to the point where inflation in the city was skyrocketing, so that you had to pay, you know, an arm and a leg just to buy a donkey's head to eat. And who would even want to eat a donkey's head? But people were eating donkey's heads because they were that hungry. And to buy the poop, of a bird, it cost a lot of money. They would probably use the poop for fuel, but this is like a little tiny nugget of bird poop that they had to pay a lot of money for. And people are suffering. 26 And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. 27 And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the threshing floor, or out of the winepress? The king was walking along the wall and one of the women of Samaria called to him, cause they're all in famine, and she said, I need your help, king. And the king said, How can I help you if the Lord himself won't help me? The king is in dire straits, too. He's not capable of creating food, it has to come from heaven. 28 And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. 29 So we boiled my son, and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him, and she hath hid her son. This is such an evil story, it's horrible. The people are so hungry that they are eating their own infants, their own children. This lady wants the king to force her neighbor to let her eat her son because her neighbor has already eaten her own son. This is just hideous. It's awful. And she's more concerned that she gets a meal than that her neighbor's child lives. 30 And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes. Now he was passing by upon the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. When he tore his kingly robe, the people saw that underneath his robe he was wearing sackcloth, which means that he was in mourning and praying and fasting for his own people to be delivered. And now he was ripping his robes to show even more mourning, because these two women are eating each other's children. 31 Then he said, God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. The king of Israel is blaming the prophet Elisha for his city being besieged. That isn't Elisha's fault, it's actually the king of Israel's fault, because he continues to worship pagan gods. It's his own fault that the Arameans are fighting him. And by the way, the Arameans are the Syrians. And there are many Syrian wars mentioned in the Bible, and there are multiple Syrian wars that have happened in just the last few decades. Syria is a hot spot of the world, and it's most likely the Kingdom of the North spoken of in the book of Daniel. A lot of people like to say that the Kingdom of the North is Russia, but I don't believe that. There's more evidence that the Kingdom of the North is Syria. So it is the Syrians that are actually besieging Samaria right now. The king of Israel is blaming the prophet instead of blaming his own sin. And he wants Elisha dead because the people are so hungry that they are eating their own children. 32 But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him, and the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See ye how this son of a murderer hath sent to take away my head? Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door, and hold the door fast against him. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? The king of Israel had sent a henchman to go kill Elisha, but Elisha knows because he's a prophet and the Lord showed him that a henchman is coming to take his life. So Elisha tells the elders who are with him to close the door so that the murderer can't come in, and he calls the king of Israel a murderer. Now this is true because the king of Israel has probably murdered his own children in pagan sacrifices, and is responsible for the Israelites murdering their own children and he now wants to murder Elisha. 33 And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and the king said, Behold, the evil is of the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? The king of Israel is admitting that Syria is being besieged because the Lord has decreed it. He understands that now and admits that, that Elisha isn't the enemy. He needs to get right with God. So that God will cause the Syrians to leave the Sumerians alone. And that's where we end it in Second Kings chapter six. We'll find out what happens with Samaria in the next chapter.